Welcome to the Collins Hill Pulpit Podcast, a ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you Bible messages that are relevant to the day and age in which we live. These messages have been preached from the pulpit of Collins Hill Baptist Church in recent days. Now, here is today's message. All right, well, thank you so much for your singing this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful for that blood that washed me from my sin. And if you're saved, he's washed you from your sin as well. And uh, this morning, we're going to be finishing a message that we started last week. And, um, and I, was, uh, I, I was, as I was studying it last, uh, to prepare for last week, um, I, was, I was excited. I, I said, you know what, I'm probably, probably not going to be able to finish it. But we're going to see how far we get. And we got to that final point. I just felt the Lord said, you know what, we need to spend time focusing on it. And so uh, throughout this, this past week, I had prepared and I had been looking. And, and um, I don't know what it was, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I had been struggling all week with this message. I had been struggling with how to make it, in a, in a way, make sense. Now, it made sense fine just the way it read, but it was really more my own mind. How could I make it make sense, make it understandable? And uh, man, I'm telling you, up until yesterday afternoon, um, I, was, I was struggling. And uh, I finally, now, Miss Faye, you'll be glad to know that I didn't change the points. Nothing changed, but I did. I, I took my cursor on my computer. I highlighted everything and clicked delete. And I said, I'm starting over. And, uh, and so I started over, but the, the main points are still the same. I did add some subpoints that you'll have to kind of fill in, and they're not even on the PowerPoint, so you'll have to forgive me today. Um, but I finally believe that I've gotten to the place uh, here, this message, this is exactly what the Lord would have us uh, to, to bring you today. Uh, I am praising the Lord especially today. Um, for, uh, my ordination was January 20th. And uh, it's normal practice that you get an ordination Bible, okay? Well, the only thing about me and my pastor um, at Calvary, he knew this, is that I had every Bible known to mankind, and uh, I didn't need another one. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't really need another Bible. I've really found one that I liked, and it, and it was this one. It's a, it's a Schofield Bible, Schofield Reference Bible, but it, but it has his notes taken out of it, so there's enough for me to write in it. I just love it. I love this Bible. I've used it for probably a year or so. You probably are wondering why I'm telling you this story, but I promise you there's a point. And, um, and anyway, so I sent that Bible off to a company that puts a new, new covers on it, does leather work and different things. I said, you know what, I, I'm going to send it off to them. Instead of getting a new Bible, I'll just do one that I, I love, I really like, and I'll send it off. And so that's exactly what I did. And, uh, and I finally got it back. I got it back yesterday, and so I'm so glad that I'm getting to use it today. And so if you see me kind of just doing this while I'm preaching randomly, it's, I'm just still not over it. I love it. If you want to see it after, the, after service, you, you can come see it. But I've got here on the front, preach the word. It's embossed right here. Preach the word, and that's exactly what we're going to try and do today. But uh, I just wanted to brag on the Bible a little bit, especially this one this morning. Uh, but all right, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we're going to be. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be looking here at verses 17 through 19. Now last week, just by way of review, of course we saw the first part of willing faith. Of course we used Miss Kirsten as an example and she boldly and proudly uh, volunteered herself. And uh, we saw that that was an example of willing faith. She was willing to do something by faith. When we started looking at this message, we saw how in the life of Abraham, he was willing, he was willing to serve the Lord. He had willing faith. And today, before we really go into a, into a whole uh, context of where, we're, where, we're, where we looked at last week, I, I want us to go ahead and read these verses here. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 17 through 19 today. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham... When he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, we're going to start here in Hebrews chapter 11, these verses. 
we'll end up making our way to Genesis uh, here after a while, but here in, in these verses we see the third point of this message that we've entitled Willing Faith, and it is the point, it is the place of willing faith's offering. We've seen already faith to obey and faith to look. We saw the outlook of faith. We saw the outlook of willing faith. It was a correct view of of this earth and a correct view of eternity. We saw willing faith obedience that Abraham's willing faith, it caused him to obey God and he obeyed him immediately and he obeyed him immeasurably. Today we're going to look at faith's offering. Faith's offering. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we just simply ask that you would work in the hearts of your children, Father. Lord, I don't know what it is about today, what, about it, what it is about this message. Maybe it's just the person that's here listening, the people that are here listening, Father, but I have a burden for this message. Lord, I, I'm just giving it to you now, Lord, and I pray that you would work in such amazing and a mighty way that we can give you all the honor and glory no matter what's said and done, whatever happens, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're looking at the third aspect of willing faith, and before we, before we get to the message, I, I want to ask, have you ever been uh, asked to do something that kind of left you scratching your head? You know, somebody walks up to you, they ask you to do something, they walk away, and you kind of are scratching your head like, hmm, that's interesting. It left you in that condition because of the weight of the request. It was, it was a heavy request. It, it would cost something. It wasn't one of these, it wasn't this type of request, go clean your room. Honey, could you please take out the trash? Or can you help me move some things out of the attic? It wasn't one of those requests. Those requests are what we might entitle the normal request, okay? No, this, this request, this question that I'm talking about, it is a question that has a cost attached with it. A question that... If you do it, if you fulfill their request, it is going to cost you something. It's a question, it's a request that will force you to give something up that you hold dear. It's a costly request. In my own life, and I don't want to make this about me, but I've only had my own life experience, and so that's what I can share with you. When I think about this question, when I think about and look at my own life and I think, has there really been anything in my life that God has asked me to give up that I really truly held dear to myself? And I know this may be small uh, to many of you, but, and I'm sure there are other things that you could use in this place, but I think about basketball in my own life. I love playing basketball and I'm sure that I've said it many times that I love playing basketball. I lived and I breathed it. And without trying to humbly brag, I had gotten pretty good at it, too. Good enough that if I had desired to continue to play, and that if, if I could, we'll get to that later, uh, I could have played in college. And through circumstances that I brought upon myself and, and circumstances that were uh, brought upon me, it was a decision point that I was brought to. A point that I had to make a decision. Do, do I continue to play basketball... Or do I surrender to God's will for my life? And I want to be very clear that it was that clear of a decision that I had to make. Do I go my way or do I go God's way? And whatever your way is, whatever it is, it may not be basketball, but it may be something. It, it, was, it was either your way or it was God's way. And you, you came to a decision point. Now, of course, God, he, he, he was asking me to give up what I held most dear. Now, shamefully, I, I tried to try my best to play both sides of the fence. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that before. Try and do your will, try and keep your will going, but also appease a little bit of the Lord's will. But God, he wasn't just asking me to realign my priorities. He wasn't just asking me to fit him in. No, he was just he was asking me to just make him the priority. He wasn't asking me to, to put him number one on my list. No, he was just asking me to make him the list. You know, God, he has a very special way of making us miserable until we do his will. And that is exactly what he did. 
I came to the place to where I was on a vacation with my family right before I would have left to go to, go to college there at Pensacola Christian College. I, I really, I was at a point in my life where I was like, what's, what's even the point? I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I know God wants me to preach. I know that that's what he wants me to do. Um, but I want to play basketball. And I was trying to play both sides of the fence. And God, he said, look, if you want me, you're going to have to give this up. Not just figure out a way you could do both. Not figure out a way you can have both. No, he said, I want you to give it up. Now, for me, this was what I held most dear in life. I mean, this sport, as silly as it sounds now, to say, uh, this, was, this was what I held most dear. And I came to the place where I was on this vacation and I told God, I said, okay, I'm yours. No more fighting. I put basketball on the altar. I said, it's yours. I'm yours. It took time, unfortunately. Took a lot of misery, a lot of mistakes, a lot of unfortunate circumstances brought about in my life. To get me to the place where I said, okay, it's yours. Today we're going to look at a man, and we've looked at him last week, but we're looking at a man that he, he, he was told of God, I want you to offer that which you hold most dear. And you know what this man does? He doesn't say, well, God, let, let's try and let's talk about it. Let's try and figure it out. Let's try and work it out. He said, okay. Today, of course, we're going to be continuing looking at the life of Abraham. Abraham, he offered to God that which was far more costly than basketball. Probably far more costly than anything God's ever asked you to give. And it was to lay down his very own son on the altar. Today, we're, we're, we're posed with a question. Are you willing to lay on the altar that which is most dear and most precious to you? Not just to lay it down just to be able to say that you gave it up. Not to lay it down just so that you could uh, say, well, Lord, I, I laid it down. No, it was, it's to lay something down so that you could have something. It's to lay something down so that you could have someone. Do you have enough faith to give up that which you love most simply because God asked you to. Today we see Abraham's willing faith. He had the faith to obey. He had the faith to look, the face outlook. Today we see the third aspect of willing faith, and that is faith's offering. Faith's offering. Notice here the Bible here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Verse 17 starts by telling us the trying that Abraham endured. This isn't part of your outline, I'm just giving you some context of where, where we're looking at. This trying, it was of God. The word tried here, it literally means to tempt. Same place where in the Bible we see the word temptation. God tempted Abraham. Now I know what you're thinking. Hey, isn't there a verse in the Bible that says God doesn't tempt anybody? Yes, you're right. In fact, I've got this verse in my notes. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, what's the temptation that it's speaking of here in James chapter 1, verse 13? What's, that's, that's temptation to sin. That, that's a temptation to do wrong. That, that, is, that, that would be to say uh, that God had led Abraham down a road that took him to a place to where he would sin. That's not the temptation that we're talking about today. That's not the trying that we find here in this verse. It, it's not a, a trying to sin. What's the trying that we see? Well, it's the word that we would use, testing. It was a test. God would test Abraham to see the genuineness 
of his confidence in God. God put Abraham in circumstances that revealed the true faith Abraham had in the Lord. I use an example, it's, it's, it's quite humorous, and it applies to many different things. But if you want to know who you really are, if you want to know who you really are, I'll use this for most likely the rest of my preaching ministry. If you want to know who you are, then slam your own thumb with a hammer. If you want to know who you really are, when you do that, you're about to really come out, okay? If you want to know who you are, if you want to know who you are on the inside, you slam your own finger with a hammer. Now, what did that hammer hitting your thumb do? It didn't create somebody that you're not. It just revealed who you are. And it took that to bring it out of you. Now, this trying that God often brings us through, the trying, the testing, the temptation that God often brings into our life, it's not a temptation to sin. It's a temptation to reveal who we really are. It's a temptation to, that brings us to the point to where we stand and we say, well, do I really believe God? Do I really have faith in God? The Bible tells us in the book of James that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You want to know who you really are? You want to know what kind of Christian you really are? You want to know how much faith you really have in God? Let Him put you through a trial. I'm sure every single one of us can attest to being put through a trial. And your faith, it either made your faith or it broke your faith. God uses trials, God uses temptations to reveal who we are on the inside. To where when everything else is cut away, when everything else is, is gone, when God uses this, the scalpel and He starts to cut and dig and starts to bring things to the front, to the forefront of our life, and it starts to reveal who we really are, God's doing that so that our faith can grow. He's doing it so that we can see who we really are and, and then we get to the place to where we say, look, I've got nothing left in my own flesh. I've got to rely on God. Have you ever been in a place like that? <laughs> where you got to the wit your wit's end. You got to the place where you, you, you had no explanation. Really, you didn't even understand really what was going on. You just got to the place that said, Lord, if you don't do this, then nobody else will. Nobody else can. Verse 17, it starts and it tells us that Abraham, he was tried. He was tested. The Bible then records for us the phrase, offered up Isaac. You know, it's interesting, this phrase, it shows that it was already done. What does that mean? It shows the completeness of the act. He had offered him up. Before Abraham ever laid Isaac on the altar, Isaac was as good as offered in Abraham's mind. There was no question about it. God tried Abraham and Abraham said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And in Abraham's mind, the act was complete. He hadn't taken the knife and killed Isaac yet. He hadn't done anything yet, but in his own mind, in his mind, he had enough faith in the Lord that the act that God had asked him to do, it was already done. It was already as good as done. He was going to do it. No questions, no hesitations. Abraham had willing faith to offer up Isaac. Now, what did Abraham trust about God that allowed him to do that? To us, something unthinkable. What allowed Abraham, what gave Abraham the confidence to be able to do something so immeasurable? So, if I could just speak kind of 2024 language, so insane. What allowed him to do that? The Bible makes it very clear that it was Abraham's faith that allowed him to do the unthinkable. 
the faith that Abraham had, the confidence that Abraham had in the object of his faith. We have faith, but there's an object to our faith. The object of your faith right now is the chair that you're sitting in. That is, you have faith and you have an object of your faith. When we have faith in our lives, in our Christian walk, we have faith. But there's an object to our faith, and that is God. So what about God allowed Abraham, gave Abraham the confidence to have faith in the Lord to do the unthinkable? To offer up Isaac. Well, I want you to notice three of them with me. First of all, we see letter A, God's promises. God's promises. Now, I think in the handout, I can't remember. I think, I, I hope I put them right in the handout. Letter A, God's promises. We're going to read these verses again. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That word right there that you see in verse 17, and he that had received the promises. There's a book that maybe you've seen. You can get in big, big print, small print, whatever. It's entitled The Promise Book. Maybe you've seen it. It's a book, I don't know, maybe that thick. Every page is, a, is filled with what the Bible records for us in relation to God's promises. God is a God that makes promises. All throughout the Bible, we have the covenants that God made with His people. The, the promises that God made with His people. I don't know what it is about, about this, but even when I was preparing, when I was typing out this, this section of this message, this verse, it, it just would not leave my mind. And, and at this moment, when I said that statement, it brought right back to my mind. And if I don't share it with you, I'm afraid that I'm going to be disobeying the Lord. But the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what that is? That's a promise of God. God promised that He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But we see that there are, there's a book entitled The Promise Book. And it's every promise that God ever made to His people. I have a question. Have you ever been let down because someone made a promise to you and didn't keep it? Somebody promised you something, promised you they would do something, promised you they wouldn't do something, and what did they do? They didn't keep their promise. Now, when I think about somebody not keeping a promise, I think of kids on the playground. Maybe you can relate to this story. You have your, you know, your buddy come over, your friend, and you say, I've got a crush on so-and-so. Now, don't you tell anybody. Don't promise me that you won't tell anybody that I have a crush on so-and-so. Don't tell anybody, okay? And your friend says, I promise I won't tell anybody. I promise. And guess what they do? You walk into class after recess and the person that you have a crush on is looking at you kind of funny. Everyone else is, you know, pointing at you laughing like, oh, you know, Landon has a crush on Savannah. And everybody says, ah. well, immediately you go to the person you said, look, I told you and you promised you wouldn't tell anybody. And what do they usually say? Well, I'm sorry. You know, I, I had my fingers crossed. Well, I think it's a pretty safe assumption to say that you'll never trust another promise that they give you again. Why? Because they did not fulfill. They did not keep the promise that they made to you. Can I tell you that there has never been a promise that God has made that He has not kept? The Lord, He's made us promises, and without waver, without hesitation, we all can say, we all can stand up, we all can say amen to the fact that God has never broken a promise. If God's made you a promise, He's going to keep it. When God asked Abraham to do the unthinkable and to offer up Isaac, I, Abraham did not say, well, God, 
you promised me something one time and, and you didn't follow through, so I just don't know if I can trust you here. No, Abraham, he trusted God because every promise that Abraham or that God had ever made Abraham, God kept. And so when God says, Abraham, I want you to do the unthinkable, I want you to offer up Isaac, Abraham said, okay. Why? Because Abraham trusted God's promise. Now I want us to look at some of these promises. Some of the promises that God made Abraham. We'll be, we'll be quick through there, but I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 12. The book of Genesis chapter number 12. I want you to, want you to see some of these promises. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Passage of Scripture that, that we use, that we believe, that we know is still applicable today. God made a promise to the nation of Israel, to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. And, and God's still keeping His promise to this day. That's why we stand up and support Israel that's why we stand behind her, and, and we support her, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But that was, that, that, that was free for you. But notice here, Genesis chapter 12, we see promises that God made to Abraham. At this time, his name was Abram. Notice the Bible says here, we're, we're just going to run through these promises. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Of course, we, we understand that we've already looked at this. This was a test of obedience. In verse 4, Abraham went. He, he didn't hesitate. He obeyed God. But notice the promise. Unto a land that I will show thee. So we see the first promise that God gave Abraham was the promise of a land. The promise of a land. Now notice the wording of the promise. Unto a land that I will show thee. Did God promise Abraham that he would give him the land? No, he had not promised in this particular moment that he would give him the land. What did God promise Abraham? That he would show him the land. And what happened in verse 7? And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed Abraham had traveled. He had traveled, he had followed the Lord, he had gotten to this land of Canaan. Verse 5 tells us that he was in the land of Canaan. He says, and the Lord said, appeared unto Abraham and said, unto thy, seed will, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. What did God do? God said, Abraham, I want you to leave everything and I'm going to show you the land that I'm going to give you. Abraham, he leaves and guess what God does? He shows him the land. Promise number one. The promise of a land. Check. What's the second promise? The promise of verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. It was the promise of a nation. Did, did God keep his promise? He sure did. That nation, it was, it was um, established, I believe, in 1948. The nation of Israel. Whether the world acknowledged them as a nation or not, God said they're a nation. In fact, they're probably one of the oldest nations in the world. The nation of Israel. I almost got into a little bit of a political thing right there, sorry. We see the promise of a land, the promise of a nation. Notice another thing. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. Here's the promise of a name. Now, did you know that there's the two biggest religions in the world, Christianity and Islam, two biggest religions in the world? Well, Christianity, we trace our roots back. We trace our heritage back to what the Bible refers to as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Well, what does Islam trace their roots back? They, they, they misunderstand it. They, they're, they're wrong in, in the way that they perceive the Bible, but... They trace their roots back to Abraham and Ishmael. Okay, they do a different route on that. But the point of the matter is that they go back to Abraham. You go to Israel today and you start talking about Abraham. And they love Abraham. That's our father. What did, what did God do to Abraham? What did God do for Abraham? He has a great name. So we've got, we're, we're three promises in. Check, check. Check. God kept all of them. Notice number four, the promise to be a blessing. Verse three. 
And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. By the way, we should take note of that. That's why we take care and bless the nation of Israel. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, how is God going to bless an entire world through one man? Well, if you, uh, if you know, I don't know if you know him, but his name is Jesus. He came through the seed of Abraham. He came from the, the line of Abraham. You could trace Jesus' roots all the way back to Abraham. Of course, we understand that Jesus, he was God. He, he didn't have an earthly father, but he had an earthly mother. And, and we understand that he didn't inherit his sin nature because he wasn't born of a man. But we can trace Jesus' roots back to this man who, whose name is Abraham. And it's from Abraham's seed that all the world has been blessed. Have you been blessed by Jesus Christ? I know I have. That's another promise. Check. Then we come to, ver to, to, to the fifth promise that God made. And this one, this one is interesting. This one is interesting. Can you imagine... We're about to look at this fifth promise that God gave. But it's interesting how God promised it and then less than, um, and then less than an entire chapter of our Bible, God then asks, him, asks Abraham to give him up. Notice Genesis chapter 21. Go to Genesis chapter 21. Now... Abraham, he has, he has gotten impatient with the Lord. Sarah has gotten impatient. So Abraham went, took Hagar, and um, had a son with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar, had Ishmael. So he was an, he was an illegitimate son of Abraham. God, Abraham got ahead of God. He got ahead of God, and now he's caused a big issue. But then we come to chapter 21 of Genesis, and we see the birth of Isaac. God's promise that, look, you will have a child, you'll have a seed. And Abraham, he, he said, you know what, Lord, you've made it, every promise you've made to me, you've kept. But I'm going I'm to do it in my, my time now. I'm going to do it my way now. I'm going to do it in my understanding. He left faith, he started walking by sight. We saw the issue that it's caused, the mess that it has caused, that we still look at and face today. But notice verse 12 of chapter 21. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, that's talking of uh, Ishmael, and because of thy bondwoman, in that Sarah hath said unto thee, Hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 18, it said, Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So God's promised Abraham. He's promised him a land, a nation, a name, that he'd be a blessing. And he promised to use Isaac. Can you imagine then how confusing it must have been to Abraham for God to say, Through Isaac your seed will be called. And then for him to say, just a few verses later, take Isaac and offer him to me. But God, didn't you say that it was going to be through Isaac that my seed's going to be called? That through Isaac is the one who you're going to use. And now you're telling me you want me to kill him? Lord, you made me a promise that you were going to use him. And if I kill him, then that promise is going to be null and void. That's the way we would think, right? But what did Abraham do? He said, I'm not making the same mistake I made last time when I had Hagar and the issue that we've caused there. God, you've made me a lot of promises. God, you've kept every promise you've ever made me. And you know what? You tell me to do this. I've got faith. Faith to offer. Faith to lay Isaac down. Why can you and I say that we have willing faith? Or why can you and I have willing faith to offer to the Lord that which is dear to us? To offer to the Lord that which is most precious, even when we don't understand why. 
Because even when we cannot understand what God is up to, we can trust Him. He's never made a promise that He didn't keep. He's never lied to us. We can trust God. What about God allowed, I, allowed Abraham to trust Him when He said, I want you to offer Isaac? What about God allowed Abraham to have the faith to do that? Well, Abraham had faith in God's promises. The same is true of us. How can you and I have this faith to do the unthinkable? Because we can trust God's promises. You and I can trust God's promises. Not only do we see that we can have faith to offer because of God's promises, but also because of God's power. God's power. Now, we see here in verse number 19 of Hebrews chapter 11. Take your Bible back there with me. Hebrews chapter number 11. If you want to keep your finger there in Genesis chapter 21, we'll be back there in a moment. But Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham not only believed in God's promises, he not only trusted God's promises, but he trusted God's power. Abraham had faith in God's power. Notice how verse 19 tells us that Abraham counted on God. He didn't count on himself. He didn't count on his own understanding. He didn't count on the way that he could work it out and he could make both things work. No, he counted on God. Counted on God's power according or accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham believed that God would do the impossible. And that's raise him up from the dead. Abraham had never seen anybody risen from the dead. But God had told, told him I, that through Isaac, I will bless you. Through Isaac, your seed will be called. And so when God comes and he says, offer up Isaac, Abraham was left with the point to where he said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I have faith. And I believe that God's going to raise him up from the dead. Abraham fully accepted the fact that he would kill his own son and that God would raise him up. That's what Abraham believed. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham believed God was powerful enough, was strong enough to do what everyone else would have said is impossible. He counted on God. You know, when you and I count on God, we can count on God to do some impossible things. Maybe you've got a financial situation. And you say, it's impossible. I don't know how this is going to work out. Hey, can I tell you, we can count on God. Maybe you've got a health situation that the, all the doctors say, look, it's done. It's impossible. You know what we can do? We can say, you know what? I'm going to count on God. You know why? Because he's able. Maybe you've got a family situation that you say, this is absolutely, completely, totally impossible. Well, when we run to the end of ourselves then we can start with God. We can start at the beginning of who God is. We can start counting on God when we stop counting on ourselves. And we can start counting on the fact that God is able. A.W. Tozer once said, God is looking for people through whom He can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. Can you imagine if Abraham worked only within the sphere of what he could understand? What if Abraham only obeyed God as far as he could see? You understand and you see that when we deal with God, we must deal in trust. When we deal with God, we must deal in what we cannot see. We must deal in faith. Faith in God's power. Is God able? Yes. Is God able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think? Yes. What can you and I trust in? We can trust in God's promises, 
and we can trust in God's power. What you and I say is impossible, it's very possible with God. Notice here the third thing with me. Not only do we see God's promises and God's power, but we also see, (laughs) I like this, that we can trust God's person. We can trust God's person. I want you to draw, draw your attention back to something. Something that we've said, we'll continue to say throughout this series. Our faith is not in something. Our faith is in someone. We don't have just an, an inanimate false idol that we have to put our faith in that has limitations. No. We trust God's person. We trust someone. We have faith in someone. Now, although we are studying the faith of Abraham, we must never forget the one in whom Abraham placed his faith. We can study the life of Enoch, the life of Abel, the life of Isaac, the life of Abraham, the life of Jacob, the life of Rahab. We can look at all these people. We can study their amazing, uh, amazing faith, but we must never forget that the one that whom we are studying is the Lord himself. The one that we are placing our faith in. I want you to notice two aspects of God's person. Two aspects of God's person revealed here by the writer of the book of Hebrews. The first aspect of God's person that we see here is number one, Abraham saw the provider. Abraham saw the provider. Go with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. i tell you what, I almost took, uh, I almost took off running when I was... When I was reading through this and I, I was studying this passage, I, I was sitting there in my, in my little office there at the house. And as I was typing, it was almost like, man, I'm about to jump up and take off running. This is getting good. Genesis 22. And it came to pass, verse 1, after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of thee. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again unto you. We see that again right there, that they both, God, Abraham knew, Abraham believed that God was going to raise Isaac up. Look, we're going away, we're going to go worship, I'm going to go sacrifice Isaac, God's going to raise him up, we're going to come back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Notice here verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. We'll come back to this verse if I don't take off running before then. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. And laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. <laughs> and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. You know what the, what the name Jehovah Jireh means? That's one of God's names. It's not just an attribute of God, it's who God is. 
God will provide. That is what Jehovah Jireh means. God will provide. We see here, Abraham saw the provider. But then I love this. Not only did Abraham see the provider, he saw God. But Abraham saw not only the provider, but he saw the Lamb of God. Make no mistake. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, he says uh, that he received him in a figure. Well, a figure of what? A figure of who? Of Jesus. Make no mistake, Abraham saw Jesus in this. Notice verse 8, or verse 7. And Isaac said to Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now let me, let me, let me read this verse and put some emphasis in a different place. Because this is, not, this is completely grammatically correct. What I'm about to say, and I'm not even joking. This is serious. This is exactly, if you parse this out in English, if you parse this out in the Hebrew, it is exactly what I'm, how I'm about to emphasize it. It could be both ways. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. What did God do? What did God do? You'll know that God, He wrapped Himself in human flesh. He came down to this earth. He sacrificed Himself. He, he, what did He do? He provided Himself as the Lamb. You know, there's a wonderful book. I encourage you to read it. It was written in German, but they, they translated it into English. Thank goodness. I can barely read it in English. I have no hope for German. But it was written by F.W. Krumacher. It's called, entitled The Suffering Savior. And, and there's a wonderful quote in the book, and I'm paraphrasing it a little bit. But he basically says that in God's judgment, he demanded a sacrifice. And in God's love, he gave himself as the sacrifice. What's the payment of your sin? Nothing but the blood. So when God, he said, look, there is sin and there must be a payment for that sin. God didn't say, all right, I'm going to send an angel. God didn't say, I'm going to send some good man. God said, I'm going to send myself. I'm going to provide myself a lamb. John 1, 29 says, John the Baptist, seeing, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John eleven twenty five 25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. According to Genesis chapter 21 or 22, the Bible says that Abraham, he lifted up his eyes. He looked and behold him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. What was this ram? We see Jesus in the fact that he would provide himself as the lamb. But we see Jesus in the substitution of the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. The substitutionary death of this ram in the stead of Isaac. Guess what? You and I in this story were Isaac. And you know who Jesus Christ is? He was that substitute. He was that ram that was caught in the thicket that God had provided so that Isaac, he didn't have to die. Isaac didn't have to die because God had provided a way of escape. God had provided a different lamb. God had provided somebody, something that could take away the sin. And God, he provided this ram just like 2,000 years ago, God provided himself, the lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. He took away our sin. He took away your sin. He took away my sin. Now, what did Abraham see when he looked through the eyes of faith? He saw the provider, yes. But more importantly, he saw Jesus. When it comes to us offering faith, faith offering, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
We don't look at the circumstances. We don't look at what we can understand. We don't look at how we can understand it. We look at Jesus. You know, when you have your eyes on Jesus and off of the things of this world, I, I believe, and I think the Bible teaches us, that when our, faith and our, when our eyes of faith are on Jesus and they get off of the things of this world, we live a lot better, we have more faith, we enjoy life more. Why? Because we, took our, we take our eyes off of the circumstances and we put them on Jesus. Just like Peter, when he stepped out of the boat by faith, he started walking on the water. Who's, who was he looking at when he was walking on the water? He was looking at Jesus. Who was he looking at when he started to sink? At the circumstances. We see Jesus here. If we're going to offer that which is dear to us, we will have to keep our eyes on Christ. Today we see to have the faith to offer that which is dear, we must, we can trust God's promises. We can trust God's power and we can trust God's person. There's a wonderful song that I want to read you the chorus to. I, I looked it up and I, I thought it was a hymn. I still think it's a hymn. I may be wrong, but the Collingsworth family sings it. Savannah, she's coming to the piano now. I want to read you this chorus to this song. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. He never once has failed to meet my needs. He is my strong tower, the strength in my weakest hour. I can trust Jesus. He takes care of me. You know, why can we have faith to offer that which is most precious? Because we can trust Jesus. We can trust the Lord. We can trust His promises. We can trust His power. We can trust His person. As we stand all over the building with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Savannah plays. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Bible message. We pray that you've received a blessing and we look forward to being with you again in the future.